You are listening to Let's Talk Trail on podcast. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trail on Facebook or Instagram. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows Trio programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former Trio staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with Trio. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Amelia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In today's episode, we have Amber Myron of Myron Education, LLC, and she's also a current educator. Amber is on the Let's Talk Trio podcast to talk about her educational journey, her college experience, and to share with the Trio community about founding her business, Myron Education, LLC. So coming up in just a bit, Amber Myron. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can be a sponsor of Let's Talk Trio podcast. Head on over to Patreon and search for Let's Talk Trio. Choose one of four patron levels. You can support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month does go a long way in supporting this podcast. If you would like to nominate a participant, staff, or alumni to be on the podcast, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Again, a great episode featuring Amber Myron of Myron Education LLC and Current Educator. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast graduated in 2016 from the University of Maryland College Park with a bachelor's degree in history and obtained her master's degree in education in 2017 from the same college. She's an educator, education advocate, and Trio supporter. She serves as a high school teacher for social studies. Her interests and hobbies include studying hard history and writing music. She is the founder of Myron Education LLC and is a, is a supporter of the Trio programs. Welcome to the podcast, Amber Myron. I am Amber. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We are very fortunate to have you. Thank you so much for being for agreeing to be on the podcast. So it is really an honor to have you here. Well, it's an honor to get to talk with you and um, talk about the Trio program. Fantastic. Uh, how are you, and how are things in uh, Maryland? I'm good. We have. I'm a. Working in a high school, so I have one more week of school or four more days, I guess. Okay, wow. counting. Um, <laughs> and then we have winter break. So, right on. Fingers crossed, the kids are you know not too uh, rowdy this week, but I think it'll be good. Right on. Uh, so we are recording this episode just as schools are, uh, like you said, are about to go on a winter break. Uh, uh, that's that seems to be the case for all over the country. Uh, what are your holiday plans? Oh, I'm so excited. My older sister lives in Los Angeles and she's coming to Maryland where I live and where my parents are and my other sister are. So I'm excited for all of us to kind of be under one roof again. Oh, that's amazing. Having family under one roof, that can be either very joyful or very stressful. Where where does that fall for you? Oh, I think it'll be both. I think it'll absolutely be, you know, regression into how we were as kids, you know, like I'm sure we'll have some bickering here and there, but we're also older and kind of, you know, our frontal cortex is fully developed now. So we are less problematic than we were as children. And also my sisters are just great people. So if anything, I'll just, you know, I need to uh, be good to them because they deserve it. 
Right on, right on. Um, so you're going through a long week already of school. You're about to go and unwind. How do you unwind after a long day of work or even after a full semester? Yes, I absolutely adore my friends. They are the best people. And I just find every excuse to spend time with them. You know, we might be going to get a pedicure or they might be just coming over to my place. And I have like some slim snacks because I can't cook anyway. Um, but we just love to talk about our lives, like update each other on our lives, on our work lives, on our personal lives. And I mean, even when things are hard, all we do is laugh about it. I mean, we just turn every, you know, tragedy into comedy. And Mm. so it's really, that's my, that's my main thing. And so it's my friends and also my little sister lives uh, very close to me as well. So we have a, we have a nice tight group together. Right on. Uh, we are in the final weeks of December, uh, and we're literally turning the corner on 2022 and on to 2023. Uh, what are some goals that you have for yourself uh, looking forward? Yes, I think one goal for myself is to be more accepting of myself, right? Like to be not my harshest critic. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people might have that goal. Um, and then my other goal is to really expand my reach to more and more students. Um, I am mm-hmm. lucky enough to teach about 125 students in my school, but I'd love to be able to reach uh, students at other schools as well. That's awesome. Uh, I feel that the the New Year's goals are great to set up. And I've learned that there, there are a lot of people that commit to them and either they write it down or make it into practice somehow to make those goals happen. Uh, what's your take on this yearly annual goal setting ritual? Yeah, it's, it was fun because my parents used to always have a New Year's Eve party and we would have a big piece of paper on the wall and people would mm-hmm. write down their like New Year's resolutions. Yeah. And then we added a big paper on the wall for like, what was your favorite moment of the year? And so I thought that was a good balance to be like, okay, let's celebrate everything good that's happened. And then also think like, okay, well, what is something we want to do next year? And so even though, you know, you can set a goal at any point of the year, I think it's a great time to reflect on all the good. And then also just think about what could I do next year as well? Um, Because sometimes we're in autopilot and we're just doing the work we have to do and we're keeping up with everything that we don't necessarily think about our bigger goals. Um, And so I think it's a good excuse to, to think about those things. Right on. And I like that uh, practice of reflection that, that, that really hits heavy with me because I love reflecting with students and talking about, you know, upcoming goals and reflecting on uh, past like challenges, successes, all that. That's awesome. Uh, So you've been featured in other podcasts before. What are some things that you discuss or talk about usually? Normally in the other podcasts, I've talked about, um, you know, being a teacher and uh, working with students outside of the classroom as well. I've talked about being a like fierce advocate for teaching hard history, which is basically saying like the histories that some schools are trying to shy away from, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the truth of slavery or the truth of racism in America or the truth Mm -hmm. of, you know, um, the genocide uh, at when um, white Americans or sorry, (laughs) Europeans first came to the United States and things like that. I mean, just genocides in general doesn't have to just be about the United States. So I had an amazing mentor in um, graduate school who that was her mission is like to study how to teach hard history. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I learned a lot from her and, and then that made it easier for me. And so I'm just hoping to also help other teachers with that as well for like teachers who might not feel as comfortable teaching those subjects, making sure that they do, because it's just so important that the students learn them and especially in a time when some schools are trying to take that real history away absolutely uh so i was going to follow up with you on that uh, hard history what and what that meant um and and yeah i i absolutely agree i feel like uh there's been a movement to shy away from that type of harder discussions about racism and oppression and systematic racism right it's it's all it all ties back to that hard history and i think it's it's i think it's for in modern times, right, there are a lot of people that are still very hesitant to, to be open about what that means and uh, covering the the harsh realities of, of uh, not only slavery, but even the civil rights movement, right? right people absolutely. think tend to think in terms of, oh, that was sold such a long time ago. Why are we still talking about it? It really was 60, 70 years ago. It doesn't feel that long ago. And there's so many things that are relevant today. You know, uh, when I teach history, almost every day I can compare something in history to something today. Like we just talked about 1920s 
flappers and like oh, how yeah. women change in the 1920s. And then I did a game that was like, okay, is this comment that says women should act more traditional from the 1920s or is it from the 2000s? Mm-hmm. And so basically kids could see like, okay, there were people who pushed back against the modern woman in the 20s, but there's also people who in the past 20 years still push back against whatever this modern woman is, you know, woman trying to break out of like stereotypical roles. And right. so it's just really helpful for students, I think, to have it be connected because otherwise they're like, why does this matter to me? Right. You know? Right. So anyway, they had, they had fun with the game, even though it was a <laughs> not exactly <laughs> the most uplifting game. But it sounds like you make it super engaging. So that way students are learning, uh, right. As, as, the, as you go and you're teaching these topics. Um, and so obviously education is something that you are very fiercely supportive about and you advocate for. I wonder what are issues that you are very passionate about? I think my, I mean, social justice is such a big cause, but, um, within that, the teaching hard history is really important, but also most of my students are recent immigrant students, um, Four out of my five classes are all students who probably immigrated to the U.S. within the past six months. Um, And then I might even get new students. And so I'm also really passionate about advocating for their rights within the classroom and outside of the classroom. So me and another teacher just today are trying to find like dental care for our students who don't have access to dental care. And at the same time within the classroom, I'm advocating, you know, to my school board, et cetera, like. They need to have more support in the classroom, especially if they Mm -hmm. had interrupted education. But obviously, it's hard when anything deals with money of like, can you give more resources? Can you get a co-teacher for this class? Can you limit the size of this class so that Mm -hmm. they have more one-on-one attention as they're learning English and as they're learning, you know, the content of history or the content of math? And so that's definitely something like outside of school hours, I'm... I'm emailing and calling and and trying to get um, support for. Wow. So again, you're very passionate and very excited about education and how students learn. So Amber, we're going to rewind the clocks a bit and reflect on your educational journey so the audience can get to know you a little bit. Can you talk to us about your upbringing and what that was like for you? Yes. So I grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland, where actually I still teach now. I went to school in Gaithersburg, which I believe is still the most diverse city in the entire United States. So I was extremely lucky to be exposed to all different races, religions, ethnicities, um, people from different countries, different languages since I was born, basically. And Mm -hmm. so it was really, really um, a beautiful experience for me growing up. I also had, you know, two supportive parents. Um, Montgomery County is known to be really good for like training teachers. And so we had teachers who were really passionate, really cared about us. And so I just, I don't know. I always, I mean, elementary school, I didn't always love because I um, had some like social anxiety probably. And I felt it was also hard to take directions from other adults. Like I very much wanted to be a little independent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I remember you know, even though I'm a teacher now, I remember not going to school for a while. I mean, just trying Mm. to skip school every single day in elementary school. And, you know, my mom trying her hardest to get me to go and the school working with me and all of that. But it was like, I didn't want, you know, them telling me what I had to learn or them telling me what rules I had to follow. And so obviously, eventually, you know, I felt comfortable enough with all of these you know, amazing teachers who were just trying their best. And I Mm -hmm. went back, but I do kind of look back at that time and think, it is kind of funny to think I went from not like trying to go to school to now I go to school every single day. <laughs> mm, and you advocate for it. Yes. Um, how would your family describe you? I think my family would describe me as um, a bit of a nerd. Um, oh. Yeah, I think <laughs> because I tend to be like when I was a student, I was always doing my homework no matter where we went. So if we went to a soccer game or, Mm -hmm. you know, my siblings, you know, are athletes, I'm not. So they would have soccer games and I'd be like, you know, reading from a textbook and taking notes and just being a little nerd. And, and then even now, you know, um, they, I'm always bringing up some kind of social justice topic and they're like, okay, you know, like another topic, like, okay, well, do you have anything normal to talk about? No. But, um, and then I think they would say I'm funny, right? Because even, you know, just chatting with them, I I try to make them laugh because I, I love hearing them laugh. They're just, they're, they're funny as well. I I learned it from them. 
Right on. I like that. Uh, sounds like you have a very good family dynamic and uh, they, they know your personality. As you started your journey in education, we talked a little bit about elementary. Do you remember if you were already curious about uh, some parts of your learning? I know that apprehension was there for your early part of your education, but was there any uh, curiosity that developed about education and, and uh, wanting to learn more about a particular topic? Yes, I definitely. I mean, I'm a history teacher, um, so I really did want to learn everything about social studies. Mm -hmm. And so in middle school, when we took a course that was about just kind of important topics from history all over the world, it was very like disjointed, but Mm -hmm. I find that really, really interesting. And then um, I got way more of that in high school when I got to take comparative religion and I got to take world history and learn things that I really had no idea about. And I think that's what was so interesting for me was like, okay, how can I become educated so that I don't misunderstand history? And like, what can I learn about other countries when, you know, sometimes American education can be very focused on the United States. And so how can I broaden my horizons and know more about other countries and other countries' histories? And so um, I had the, you know, these wonderful teachers who just opened my eyes to things I had no idea about. Okay. Did you have a favorite teacher? Speaking of teachers. Oh, yes. I had a couple favorite teachers. One was Mr. Joy. He taught me world history mm-hmm. and in high school. And he had all these like trinkets from all over the world. And he would tell us stories about them and like his travels. And he'd also tell us about his life personally and like, you know, what um, like his wife was from another country. And then also I think he changed his religion to match his wife's religion. And so just like hearing those personal stories of like how he dealt with these, you know, social topics, I thought was really, really interesting. And then also just, again, that he like brought us into his world because, you know, none of us had traveled, right? Mm -hmm. Like none of us had been all over the world. And so for him to kind of bring us there without us having the money to go was, um, was amazing. Right on. What did you find challenging about school? I think I found school challenging when I was overwhelmed with work. So something I even like to help students with now is like the organization of it. Like how do you, Mm, how do you organize your day with different classes? Like, you know, when, if you're taking AP classes or if you have a class that has a lot of homework or Um, If you have to balance, you know, being on a sports team and doing your work. Uh, For me, it was more so like, how do I balance doing my work, but also like taking care of myself, which wasn't really, we didn't have the language for that. I think when I was in high school, like self-care wasn't a big term back then. Um, I don't know if it was similar for you where. Oh, similar. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume where it felt like I kind of left that to the side because I knew so strongly that I wanted to go to University of Maryland and I knew I needed to have good grades to do it. And mm-hmm. so I focused all my energy on school, but then there wasn't really a balance. So sometimes I would get that completely burned out. And again, burnout was not like in the vernacular. So right. um, I just think it's something that, you know, our younger students I've noticed have um, much better language and ability to say like, I'm struggling right now. And can I get an extension or you know, advocating for themselves. And I think taking mental health days, I just think it's amazing what has changed in the past, you know, like 10 to 15 years. I feel like education just continues to evolve as we learn more about how to take care of students, how to identify, you know, challenges within the curriculum, uh, how to help students overall. Uh, kind of an off the script question. Um, how do you, How do you adapt to those changes? Well, I will say it was a huge change um, after quarantine um, mm-hmm. when the students came back. They really didn't have the soft skills of like how to talk with one another and how yeah, to I organize their time. Yeah. And it's, I mean, these are the most important things. Like I know, you know, I've heard other people say this too. It's like, it's called soft skills, but it's actually the skills that are, you know, most essential. Like mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. of our students are going to learn hard skills in their classes of like specific math, science, social studies, you know, English, et cetera. But right. if they don't know how to, you know, manage their emotions or communicate with other people or 
Almost definitely. Yeah. Or like check in on themselves and see how they're doing. Then they're really missing out on so much and they're going to limit their success based on that. And so I was lucky that our school as a system as well was like, we need to focus on these things and like we can scale back the um, rigor of the classes in a way where instead of focusing so much on them learning every single fact that they need to know, like we can focus on how do we build community within our classrooms and how do we make it so that they can talk with one another in a way where, you know, they feel good and they feel like they can make friends. And also how do we make sure that they know there's a million mental health resources out there for them? Um, And so I was lucky enough that a lot of students were very vocal and I was able to set them up with our, we have a, we have counselors in our school, but we also have a like social workers and a psychologist and um, we have a wellness center. And so there were just tons of resources available to them. And so I've seen some growth like this year, the kids are doing a bit better, which is nice, but there's still areas where we have to teach them really soft skills of like how to organize or just how to focus in class. Right. It's a huge one. Absolutely. So going back to uh, your reflection on your journey, educational journey, you made your transition to middle school. Do you remember how what you felt about middle school? What, what was your feelings toward that? And uh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I think middle school, I did not enjoy. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> when I look back on it, um, I think most of it was like time spent trying to fit in, right? Yeah. Like, okay, am I wearing yeah. the right shoes? Like, okay, I have to get Jordans because Jordans are in. Like, how do I get them? I remember buying like a boy's size Jordans because they were cheaper than like, if you buy like adult size Jordans. So I'd like kid mm. size shoes. That was oh. how I was going to fit in. And then, <laughs> um, I also remember like we had MySpace. Um, oh, MySpace was, uh, was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, I would post songs that I didn't even like, because I'd be like, oh, this is the cool song. Like people like this, they'll see this oh, right, and then right. they'll like me. So middle school to me is like three years of trying your best to fit in instead of like mm-hmm. just trying your best to learn about yourself. Um, right. And so I felt I had a lot more freedom when I went to high school. I think I cared so much less about you know, do I have the right everything to fit in? And I more so was able to be like, okay, who are my people, right? Like, yeah. which friends do I have a great time with? And like, what am I interested in? Right. Um, so what did you learn about yourself in middle school? I think in middle school, I learned that I did not want to just try to fit in. Um, and I think I also learned that I was really interested in like academics because mm-hmm. especially like social studies classes. I also love my math classes as well. And so I think that then I kind of learned that like part of my identity is that I really love these topics. And so, and also that I learned that I'm capable of, you know, be, doing well in these classes. And so I think that gave me some confidence as well going into high school. Right on. Did you get involved with a lot of extracurricular activities while in middle school? In middle school, I played basketball for one one year and um, was no good, but it's okay. It's all right. We're <laughs> yeah, got to try. Athletes. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. we tried it out. I like basketball. I just, um, it was fine. It was fine. It was good. Do you, do you um, follow only, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, oh, you're fine. Um, but no, I love singing. And so I was in choir and we had this amazing uh, choir teacher, Mr. Ensignat. And what I loved about him is he didn't make us sing traditional songs. Like he would have us singing like Keisha Cole, Alicia oh, wow. Keys, nice. and just like all the like songs we loved and that we cared about. And it just felt like a dream come true. Like just mm-hmm. getting sick and R&B is my favorite music. And so getting to sing that like at your choir performances was amazing. And then he was so, so sweet. He asked me and one other student if we would like free voice lessons. And so after school, you know, on like Tuesdays and Thursdays, he would give us free voice lessons and he was an amazing singer. Um, and so we were just, oh my gosh, it was just, that was honestly probably the highlight of, of middle school for me. It was just getting that personal time where he, you know, taught me like jazz music and a lot of like the history of music as well, which was exciting. 
That's awesome. Um, so I got to go back to your, uh, that you, do you like basketball? Do you like to watch professional basketball or keep up with college basketball? Oh my gosh. I know nothing. My, I know nothing about it. I should keep up with it. I do always do March Madness with my family, but right, right I, on. I choose randomly. So that's the best way to do it. I just literally choose randomly. <laughs> and I think it's so funny because, you know, my mom knows a ton about sports mm. and basketball. And so she knows like, okay, this is who you should be looking for. And so I used to ask her for advice and now I'm like, no, that's like cheating. I'm just going to like <laughs> randomly go through and see what happens. And, and so she's always like really wanting to win. And I'm always just like, if I win, then that'll be really weird. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, if I need to know anything about sports, I just ask my mom and she can update me. I was just watching, uh, the, uh, world cup game actually though. I, like, same. Yeah. I was, I was about to start prepping for this. I was doing some prep, but I was back and forth between watching the world cup. Uh, and, uh, for our audience, we, you already know, spoiler alert, uh, Argentina wins. So that was amazing to see for sure. Um, so I think for many students, the realization that one is learning and building towards something, uh, you, for you, for example, is, uh, learning that you like choir and that you really like music, uh, that really, you know, develops early on and it bleeds on over to high school. Do you remember what your transition to your first year in high school was like? And did a lot of those things that you were interested in carry over? They did. I think when I started high school, I, my older sister was a senior. I felt like I had some kind of like, you know, connection to the school already. Some teachers already knew my older sister. And so I kind of felt lucky in that way. And I, you know, found friends pretty easily because a lot of students from my middle school went to a different high school than I did, just mm -hmm. how it was broken up. Um, and then I just got involved immediately. I don't know where the confidence came from, but I was like running for, you know, school secretary, um, wow. and got to do that all four years. And I joined the choir and then I, um, by your second year, you can join chamber singers, which is like a smaller choir that does more, uh, touring. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was really, really fun. And I, got, you know, went to all the games and supported my friends who played sports. Cause again, I'm not an athlete, but it was really, really <laughs> fun. I mean, I remember ninth grade feeling like almost the most fun because the courses didn't feel like they were killing me, you know? Um, whereas like 10th, 11th grade, I think that's when it gets more and more focused on that. And so it was nice that I kind of built a foundation ninth grade year by like jumping head first mm -hmm. and then having all these supports for when it got harder later on. Right on. For many high school students, college becomes part of the conversation uh, as they enter. Do you remember thinking about college at that point, your first year, second year, third year, or even in your senior year? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think I started to think about college ninth grade. Um, mm -hmm. Again, my sister was a 12th grader. So she, you know, I was dragged along to some of her college tours that she went on. And, mm -hmm. um, but I, basically knew I wanted to go to the university of Maryland. Um, I only applied in state anyway, once I became a senior, um, for money reasons. And so university of Maryland, I just knew was right for me. I don't know why I just felt it. And so I knew I had to like step up my academic game to get in. And I knew I also had to have those extracurriculars to get in. And so that really did guide me through high school, but it was nice because it felt like, okay, I have this goal in mind. I'm mm -hmm. not just like, studying for no reason. Um, and so even when I studied topics that I wasn't interested in necessarily, mm -hmm. um, I never really liked science class. Um, it was a little over my head, I think, but I knew that like, okay, well, I want to get a good grade in science, not because I'm super passionate about it because you don't have to be passionate about everything, but right. I know because my goal is this. And I still tell students that now, you know, I'm like, I'm like, even if you don't like something, like you're going for your goal. So you know, if this helps you towards your goal, it is actually something that you will be thankful you did. And, you know, Absolutely. I'll tell them, I said, you won't like every class. Not every class is That's fun. That's true. Like, yeah. no, I'm here with you. Like, I'm not trying to sit here and say like, oh yeah, school's the best for every single student. It's so fun. Like right. I never get bored. Da, da, da. And so I try to empathize with them that way. I'm like, I promise you I'm a teacher, but I'm not crazy. Like, I don't think <laughs> you're coming into school and being like, this is the joy of my life every single day. Like, I know some days you're tired. I know some days um, you're frustrated. Um, but I also know like you are going to be so successful in whatever you do. And so if you have that goal in mind, then, you know, you can suck it up for a class or two that you don't love. Absolutely. That's 
Yeah. Uh, did you talk to family, friends, or a counselor about college? Yes, all of the above. My friends and I would talk about like which colleges we were interested in. Uh, we had an amazing college and career counselor at my school. Again, you know, hats off to my high school. Uh, she looked for scholarships for us. Uh, so she would reach out like specifically to people and mm-hmm. be like, you qualify for this scholarship, apply, let me know if you have questions. Right. Uh, the school also let her take us out of like, um, English class, I believe to work on college essays mm-hmm. and to explore colleges and to look at what colleges might fit into your GPA and things like that. This was obviously like junior, senior year that we're doing this. And so we really had very hands-on support. And I think Mm -hmm. that made all the difference. You know, a lot of students at my school um, were first-generation college students and, Mm -hmm. or, and some of their parents um, didn't speak English well enough to understand the application process that if it was only in English. Mm -hmm. And so it really was the school system that would like made it possible for so many of the students at our high school to go to college when they didn't necessarily have that background in their own families. Right on. Um, was there a list of colleges that you wanted to attend? I know that for you, it was university of Maryland. That's where you wanted to go. I know for a lot of college students that they have their number one college in sight, but did you have a backup or other colleges that you were also considering? Absolutely. Yeah. At first I just thought, I I think I knew I just wanted to stay close to home. Maybe it's that elementary school social anxiety, but um, I (laughs) thought about going to American university. I also had thought about working for the government instead of um, being a teacher as well. So there were different aspects to that, but then in state, I applied to university of Maryland. I applied to um, UMBC and I applied to Towson and a ton of my friends went to Towson and they loved it as well. So I'm sure if I didn't end up going to UMBC, I probably would have been at, at Towson. All right. Uh, talk to us about the remainder of your high school experience and what, what did you do? What, what are the things that you took advantage of? Yeah. Talk to us about the remainder of your high school experience there. Yes. So Junior year was hard, as most people can relate to, just trying to get all the classes and um, AP credits that you possibly could, just so that you're most set up to like get into college and then, you know, maybe be able to save some money by having some AP credits already that you don't have to take. Right. Um, But by senior year, I mean, I just felt like I was part of this beautiful community. I had a close relationship with the principal because he um, really listened to student voices about what we wanted. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we wanted was a a way to transport students to the state final for soccer. And our school actually won the um, soccer states, the men's team won. Oh, wow. And but we knew like none of us would have transportation to get to, I believe it was at UMBC. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was the final was at UMBC or not, but anyway, we knew so many students, like they take the bus to school. They don't have cars. Like only a couple kids had cars. Like how many, you know, how many kids can we fit in three right. cars or whatever? And so him listening to us and then giving us that opportunity, it really felt, uh, you know, full circle as well to get to celebrate and be there for the win of our soccer team when so many of our sports didn't do well. And then also the fact that like uh, some of our soccer team, you know, were recent immigrants who are just like very proud to be able to like Mm -hmm. add to our community, this, you know, title. And so that was really amazing. And then senior year also, um, I was part of the chamber singers and we got to go to the white house and, when we went, surprise for us was that um, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama were there. And so we no got way. a picture with them and like shake their hands. Michelle Obama hugged us all. It was just like amazing for a, you know, a 12th grader to be like, who's so obsessed with, you know, politics and, mm-hmm. and that to be able to meet them in person and to feel like, you know, feel like we were really important as well. We came back and, you know, we're part of the chamber singers. That's not always the coolest kids in the school, but like everyone's <laughs> like, Oh my God, tell us what happened. Like, you yeah. know, we're little celebrities for two days and there you so go. really fun. Those were some of the highlights, but overall it was just senior year was so much about uh, like savoring the friendships that I had that I knew like, okay, I can keep these friendships, but they're going to be different once we graduate. And mm-hmm. so I was really lucky in that way too. 
So getting closer to graduation and now actual graduation date, uh, do you remember what you felt and how your family reacted to you graduating? Yes, I felt very excited for graduation, but also apprehensive about leaving this like community, this bubble that I felt like I was in Mm -hmm. of, you know, a beautiful situation that was very diverse, very accepting. Um, We were a smaller school in comparison to some of the other schools in the area. And so it felt very close knit. Um, So I was sad about leaving that, but also I was very excited for college. You know, at that point I knew I got in, I knew where I was going. And so graduation really felt like I could just focus on the celebration of it. And it was really exciting. My family got like box seats at um, DAR in uh, in DC because I was chosen to be the soloist for our song that we sang at graduation. And so I felt again, full circle. Like I love music. I loved getting to do this since, I mean, I was in choir since like elementary school. And so for it to get, you know, for me to get to sing at graduation just felt again, like the most amazing, you know, blessing that I could have asked for to like be able to do that. And so it was fun to have my parents kind of feel like they were got, got special treatment as well. Um, to at graduation, which was really nice. And then graduation was just so special in general because, you know, I'm cheering for all my friends too, you know, and then I'm seeing all my teachers that I felt so thankful for and, you know, getting to hug my principal who I just felt was like so involved in the community. And so overall it was just, it was a beautiful day. It really was. It was a, it was a hot day, but it was a beautiful day. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so a hot and humid day uh, out in Maryland. I, I I only imagine like how summers are out there, but um, I've only hot been and there. Humid. A couple times. That's exactly hot and it. Humid. Okay. That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> so after you graduated high school, college became next on the net, on your educational journey. Uh, do you remember what you felt up into the lead the lead up into your first semester? Yes, I definitely felt like I had to be super prepared. Like I mm. thought that would mean. I was going to do well. Like, okay, I need all the notebooks. I need to make sure I buy my textbooks ahead of time. I need to pick the exact right schedule for first semester. You know, I definitely put pressure on myself to have it be a a perfect situation. Um, And then of course, you know, school starts and then it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to, you know, it's going to surprise you in good ways as well. So I think my, you know, it's like, what's the term? Like, you have nesting when you have a kid. What is it when you're just getting ready for college? <laughs> you know, that's how I felt like take, just trying to get myself ready, have the things I needed and, and, um, but also enjoy the summer as well. You know, again, yeah. being like, okay, let me have spend time with my friends who are going to go to college out of state and all around the world. So. Absolutely. Talk to us about your first year in college, that college experience. What was that like? Oh, it was, you know, yin and yang of great and bad. The most amazing part was, um, being able to take these social studies classes that I was, that I was really interested in mm-hmm. and get to learn more and feel like, again, I'm learning, like I'm learning things that I had no idea about. And I just always thought that was very exciting. And so I took a peace studies class from this, um, older man who had been, teaching peace and protesting for peace for years and years and years and years. And that was like one of the most amazing classes I could take. Mm -hmm. And I just learned so much about like alternative ways of thinking about things like, and I feel so thankful for that. But then at the same time, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to learn how to have a roommate. I have to learn how to, you know, take care of myself and get every meal right and go to sleep on time and this and that. And so Mm -hmm. there was definitely a learning curve in that regard. but it was worth it, I think, yeah. is what I learned. Yeah. Did you know what program you wanted to major in? Like, you, you knew exactly what degree you wanted? I was pretty lucky that pretty early I knew that I wanted to study education and become a teacher. Mm-hmm. I had, but I also started to question that. And which is completely natural, you know, like I think of my dad, who's like, I didn't pick a major until they forced me to, you know, my junior <laughs> year or something. 
Um, but I started to question it. Like, is this really what I want to do? Is this going to be good for me? Like, am I going to be good with the kids? And so I took a one credit class that was basically just like, what should your major be? Like, what should you study? Um, which I thought was awesome that they offered that. And then of course I would take all these like online tests during this class and write all these like reflections and everything was just like, be a teacher. (laughs) So I was really lucky that, but then it reinforced it so much that then I felt super comfortable, you know, then applying to the the integrated master's program and going full force into it. It was like, I just kind of needed to convince myself like, like, yes, even though you're, you know, 18 or 19 years old and you're trying to make a decision for, you know, your future, you, you do know what you want to do. You know, you were right in thinking that, that being a teacher was, was what you were meant to do. All right. Very quick question about, did you explore other programs? Were you thinking about other programs? Were there other programs that you thought this might be a better fit? I considered, well, I studied history for my undergraduate major, um, because I knew early on that for the master's, you um, should ha- you needed to have the undergraduate in a social studies content. Uh, so I considered like, do I really want to be a teacher? Do I want to use my history degree for some kind of government job living so close to DC? Um, knowing so many people who worked for the government, I thought like, is that a better job? Is that a steadier mm-hmm. job? Is that a job that would be less stressful maybe than being an educator? Um, but ultimately I think I knew from like my own high school experience and how amazing it was despite the challenges that I was like, Oh, I think I'm in a unique position to go back into the, into a high school and like give back to the new generation of students because of like what I learned from my peers and what I learned from my educators as well. Absolutely. What did you, what did your involvement in college look like? I had one club I was involved in. Um, again, with like time management, I felt like a lot of it had to be focused on school. But I also knew that if I didn't get involved in something, I would just feel completely uninvolved in the community. And so I was really lucky. Um, a friend from high school was part of a club called Creativity Diversity Troop um, at University of Maryland. And it was originally made as a organization to help like theater students and other artistic students be able to create their own writings and songs and stand-up comedy and poetry and so instead of performing written plays we Mm -hmm. created our own sketches or um, performances and then we would put it on at the end of each semester we'd have a theme each semester so Um, I tried out for that. I got in luckily. And then I just met this amazing group of people who wanted to, you know, convey their feelings through writing poetry, spoken word poetry, or through writing music, which is what I did. And I found a amazing, um, you know, friend who played the piano and we got to write music together and then perform together. And, then we had other people who are more into theater. They'd be writing monologues or they might write like a funny sketch. I think one of the funniest was uh, it was a college party. If all the, if it had an announcer, like the crocodile hunter announcing <laughs> what was happening at the college party. So it was like, you know, Hey matey, like here we have a man trying to blah, blah, blah. Or like they're going yeah. to the watering hole. Um, and so that was like hilarious. So it wasn't all like dramatic and sad, even though we tended to be like, okay, I'm going to write a song about the things that I struggle with. Right. Cause mm-hmm. that's like cathartic. But at the same time, I mean, these were hilarious people and I got to be in some of their funny sketches as well. Like very background. I can't act, but um, <laughs> I mean, they were just hilarious. So it was so fun. It was a great mix of like serious things and funny things and and then also just feeling like it was a place where we could really say anything we wanted. Hence, mm-hmm. it being a diversity troupe, it was very diverse. And so we felt like it was kind of an escape from um, the overall college that wasn't as diverse. Yeah, right on. So chronologically for you, and by the way, great Australian accent that you just No, it was so horrible. 
chronologically for you, did you learn about the TRIO programs during college, after college, during your first job? Yeah. T- how did you learn about TRIO? I learned about TRIO from one of my good friends. She's an amazing um, resilience speaker and she's spoken at, you know, tons of colleges and uh, other events. And she told me about the TRIO program and I just thought, wow, like that is exactly what I am interested in as well. And what I love to do at my school is to like assist students who, you know, who are passionate about getting into college and, you know, maybe being the first in their family to go to college and, you know, taking away any barriers that shouldn't be there to access for them. And so ever since I heard about it, you know, I've been reaching out to trio programs and just seeing like, in what ways could I assist based on the fact that I am an educator, but also that I taught, you know, uh, SAT and ACT prep for, you know, eight years and Mm -hmm. that I work with students on their college applications. And so just like being able to give back in that way, um, is something I'm really interested in expanding as well with the trio program. That's amazing. And we're going to get to uh, to your LLC here in just a moment, because I think that's super helpful for trio programs. Uh, but why get into teaching? A lot of people would say all this trouble, all this stuff, all this, right. All, all the preparation that you have to do uh, for the, in a short term that students might not be so grateful for, or may not learn a lot, but why get into teaching for you? I got into teaching because I knew that the empathy I had made it so that if students weren't interested, that just means I have to figure out how to get them interested. Like to me, I don't look at the education system and go, wow, it's perfect. I just want to join the perfect education system, right? To me, it's like, okay, I know there's so many flaws in the education system. Mm -hmm. How can I be someone who's working against these flaws? And how can I get into these classrooms and work with students who Um, might have things like emotional problems that are stopping them from being able to focus, or they don't have interest in a certain topic. How can I make it interesting? How can I make Mm -hmm. it relevant to them? What can I learn about them? And I felt like I got such an excellent education at my high school of like teachers doing that for us, right? Right. Knowing like, okay, not every kid is going to be interested in school, but how can I make it interesting for them? And then I also felt what was really important is if I wanted to change So like racial discrimination in this country, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously I can't do it by myself, but how, what would I be most successful at? And I thought like being in the classroom, right? Like changing and influencing and learning from the young minds, as opposed to maybe joining an organization where I do like the background work. Um, I knew like if I can get in the classroom and talk to these kids, I can hear like what ideas do they have in their heads? What stereotypes do they have? What are they passionate about? And how can we create a community within the classroom where we feel comfortable talking about difficult issues and also fighting against um, injustices that some students might already have in their head about other groups of people, um, whether it be, you know, racial discrimination, homophobia, Um, nativism, things like that, you know, I've been able to talk about those topics with my students frequently because I teach social studies and it's always connected back to today. And so I knew that if that's like my life's mission is to, Mm -hmm. to, to work on social justice issues, I was like, I know that in the classrooms where I'm going to be able to do it because I can, you know, talk like a high schooler and we can make it funny and fun. Um, and, I knew that I would, I'd have so much fun with them after working with them, you know, while I was still in college as well. Right on. What did you like most about studying education? I liked learning kind of the tricks of how to teach students, like how to write a paragraph or teaching students, you know, how to organize their thoughts. Because for me, the content is so important, but those skills are skills they'll need for any class that they're in and anything that they want to succeed in, right? Like, can they communicate? You know, can they write well? Can they do this? Do they feel supported? And so getting to learn those skills makes me feel like even if kids leave the class, not knowing all the content of the class, like, right, not knowing every historical event that happened, like, that's okay, because now they're set up for success in anything that they they want to do. Yeah. Talk to us about the moment you graduated from college. What was that moment like for you? Well, I graduated undergrad 
in 2016. And I was, I knew that after that summer, I was starting the one year master's program. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like very excited because I knew I'd be in a school for an extended period of time for the master's program. You're in a school all day, every day for an entire school year. Mm. And so you get like, you know, you're thrown in and you're like, here's what it looks like. (laughs) And so when I graduated college, I was really excited to have that history degree. And, but I was also really excited to get to then start like the real teaching part of it as well. And th- then you made the decision to pursue a master's degree, which is, adds more years to education that you have to learn. What influenced your decision to pursue more studying? I think other people telling me it's sometimes hard to go back to school made mm-hmm. me really invested in, okay, I'm going to get my master's right after. So mm-hmm. with University of Maryland, I was very lucky because actually your sophomore year, you can apply to do an integrated master's program, which means that you actually take some master's classes while you're in undergrad so that you can kind of get them out the way. Um, and then you do still have a year of a master's program as well. But what I knew about that was, is like, I'm like, I know teaching is crazy. I know it's going to be crazy busy. And I do wonder if I would even go back to get my master's if I was kind of like drowning in teaching. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I definitely made the right call. You know, I have other friends who they did get their master's once they started teaching and that was great for them as well. Like they, they were fine. Um, But for me, I really loved it because my first year teaching was very difficult and was very time consuming. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure Mm -hmm. I would have considered like, okay, do I have time to do both? Yeah. So you currently serve as a social studies teacher um, at your at at the. Are you teaching at the middle school or high school level? At the high school level. Right on. Um, how long have you been doing that for? This is my sixth year um, teaching and my sixth year at the same school, and it's been amazing. I've gotten to teach like AP Human Geography, um, Honors U.S. History, and I am the only teacher that does. Um, U.S. history sheltered classes for students who are learning English, like the recent immigrant students who are learning English. And so that's this year I have four sections of that because there's been such an increase in immigration recently. Um, And so that's been really exciting. I've been improving my Spanish every day. (laughs) Ah, Muy bien. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So you started a business. Uh, Can you talk about your company? What is it called? What is it? And what is it about? Yes. So I have Myron Education. Um, Myron is just my last name. So didn't think too hard on naming it. (laughs) I knew that I wanted to reach more students outside of my school. And so I knew I could do that through tutoring, um, through tutoring about college specifically. So like SATs, ACTs, and college applications, college essays. I had actually helped students with college essays when I um, first graduated high school. I went back Mm -hmm. to my high school to do it. And I thought it was, I was so lucky. I got to hear the coolest stories Mm -hmm. because that's what the colleges want. They want your story in the essay. And so that has been one of the most fun parts about my job is you know, this year I worked with a student um, who lives in Ghana and is applying to schools in the United States. And so he mm-hmm. would tell me his life story and he'd just be like, oh, but anyway, none of that's interesting. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? All of that is interesting. <laughs> yeah. And like, he's like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, no, that's amazing. And like, he'd be like, yeah, you know, whatever. I like, you know, build solar panels, but like, that's not a big deal. Or like, that, I, have, I got a perfect score on the math SAT, but like, it's fine. Or, you know, I took care of my siblings, um, you know, because my parents weren't around. And mm-hmm. so I basically was a parent my whole life. And I was like, every college will want you. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? And he'd be like, I don't need to <laughs> put that in. I was like, put that in. And so it felt yeah. it was such a joy. So again, you know, my, my goal is to reach and help as many students as possible, but at the same time, like, I know I selfishly just love it. You know, I love getting to learn about students and connecting with them and, um, getting to, you know, again, expand my worldview by learning what their life is like. So all of these college prep materials that you have, uh, uh, under your company, under your LLC, it sounds like this could help trio programs. Can you talk, expand a little bit about that? How could that help trio programs? Absolutely. So um, some schools 
are now test optional. So there is mm -hmm. less need for SAT and ACT prep, which honestly will probably equalize things in a good way, in, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I also offer, you know, like I said, college application uh, courses that are very short and straight to the point and just focusing on the individual student. Like, what are you interested in? Mm -hmm. What are what are the things that are holding you back? And then I also have another program, which is an organizational program, and it's focused on, okay, how do you organize your time, but mm -hmm. also how do you prioritize yourself within that? So I remember working with a wonderful client who um, on his to-do list was only like schoolwork, right? He had to pass algebra. So it was just like algebra, 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 you know, everything was just algebra homework. And I was like, that shouldn't be your only to-do list. Like, what else do you want to do with your day? And mm -hmm. so it was really beautiful because he was like, well, I love drawing. So I, I want to draw. And I was like, that's what you should add to your day. And so then that balance, I think, helped him because he was not motivated or organized to do his algebra because that was the only thing on his to-do list. He was like me in high school, you know, like just <laughs> too focused on the academics that he burned himself out. And so that's also part of the organizational program that I use is it's really about like, okay, how do you take care of yourself mentally? Mm -hmm. And, but also how do you like organize your life so that you do reach your goals and that you do get to dream big and do what you want after high school. Absolutely. Uh, where can one go to find out more about what you have to offer? And does it specifically apply only to high school students or can you expand it to other trio programs? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, so you can reach me at uh, myroneducation.com. Uh, also, I'm on Instagram at myron underscore education. I work with middle schoolers, high schoolers, college kids, and um, I've worked with some adults as well who are like applying for um, master's programs and things like that. And so I, I just love to meet all people. And so I really would um, be able to help in, in different ways for, for different age groups. Would you be able to host like virtual workshops for trio programs that are like, for example, uh, I'm over here in Colorado or in California, Florida, uh, would you be able to host virtual workshops for, for those programs? Absolutely could hold virtual workshops. Um, again, like my two main workshops being a college application workshop, and then the other being like an organizational and self-care workshop as well. Wonderful. Um, to our audience, we will include the link for Amber's website and contact information on the program description. So check it out. You, As you were downloading this, you, you saw it on the description. Uh, we will include all of Amber's information and her uh, links as well. Um, and again, one more time, Amber, where can we find this information? Great. So again, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you can find information at myroneducation.com or at Myron underscore education on Instagram. And I can reach out to you through DMs or I can email you back if you guys have any questions. So what, what are some of, and this is a great segue into this, what would you say to TRIO students listening to this podcast, aspiring to go to college? I would tell them that they absolutely can go to college and they will go to college and that just their desire to go and then their ability to reach out for help, whether it be help that they just find online or help that they get from their supports in the TRIO program, as long as they have the desire and then they reach out in some way, it's going to happen for them and they're going to, you know, succeed. And I hope that they feel confident in themselves. And then I also hope that they feel confident enough to not be ashamed to ask for some help because there's not a single high schooler or a single person in the world who got anywhere without the help of other people. Right on. What's some advice that you would have for educators? Yes, I love helping educators as well. I just spoke with some educators recently about how to differentiate for students and how to not like burn out yourself as an educator. Mm -hmm. And so that's something, again, I would tell educators, you know, pick your priorities, what you want to focus on, put your all into that. But at the same time, try to leave school at the end of your duty day so that you can have a balance to your life because it's so cliche, but like, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of the kids as well. And I've done right, that, right. you know, I've definitely done that. And then I see it suffer and I'm like, Oh, my kids are not learning because I'm not showing up enough, you <laughs> yeah. know? And then I took a step back and it, 
it improved. So from experience, I would tell the teachers, you know, take care of themselves as well. Right on. What, what are some words of wisdom you would like to share with TRIO administrators and staff, those who are administering the TRIO programs? Well, I would just love to thank them for everything that they're doing for the students. And I would love to learn from them as well. I mean, I think that they have so much knowledge about how to connect with students, um, but then also like the specifics of how do you get a student from point A to point B as well. Amber, what do you see yourself doing five to 10 years from now? I believe I'll still be in the classroom. Well, I hope to be. Um, and then continuing my work outside of the classroom as well. So just helping people outside of the classroom, whether it be tutoring or coaching or virtual or in-person um, workshops, that's what I'm hoping to to continue doing. Right on. What is a word or phrase you would use to describe yourself? This year, I would say a word is very thankful. I wasn't always very thankful. Um, it wasn't a priority to me. I very much focused on the negative aspects of my life and, you know, didn't kind of work towards fixing those. And so in the past year, I felt like, okay, thankfulness is what's going to continue me having a positive mindset. Cause I used to call myself like a pessimist. I'd be like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm a pessimist. I always think the worst is going to happen. I've studied history. I know what, like the bad things that have occurred. <laughs> right. um, and so then to switch that mindset and to acknowledge that, but at the same time be like, I'm so thankful for the people in my life. I'm thankful for the students who are, you know, fighting against injustices. And I'm thankful for like anyone who's taught me anything this year. And I'm thankful for you know the doctors who have helped me and, so that word kind of grounds me this year. Absolutely. And to from one history major to another, I know how easy it is to fall into that. Uh, when you look at history as a whole and how humanity has treated itself, it's almost hard not to be a cynic or to be a pessimist. But I love that you that you are holding on to the theme of thankfulness. Uh, for me, it's optimism. It's like, well, yes, these dark periods of history happen. We need to acknowledge, talk about expand on that. Absolutely. Uh, but we also need to remember like we're building towards something, right? To, con- to maintain civilization, we have to work together. So uh, for I think for both of us, it's uh, different themes of optimism and hopeful and being thankful. So thank you so much for sharing that. I love that. Love that you're a history major too. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, what are you currently reading, watching, or listening to? Okay. What am I currently reading and watching and listening to? I just watched the Harry and Meghan documentary. Okay. Um, and what, as a history major, what was really interesting is they do a great job of using like animation to explain the Commonwealth, like British Commonwealth oh, and all of these different countries and how they influence those countries or how they might've, you know, created problems in those countries. Um, and so even though at its base, it's just kind of a love story about Megan and Harry, the yeah. history nerd in me was kind of excited to see that and be like, Oh, I wonder if I could use that in my class to teach this or that, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's what I've mostly most recently watched. Right now, I'm going to have to check it out. Um, Anything else you would like to share about uh, things that you might be reading or listening to for music, podcasts, or anything like that? Or books? for music. Uh, What am I listening to for music? Well, I I kind of have just been listening to the biggest albums of the year. So like Beyonce's album, Taylor Swift's album. Right on. um, And I love my students, you know, can relate to me in some ways with that. And then other ways they're like, you don't know any young hip music. And, you know, I'm listening to like nineties R and B and they're like, you're so old and like, that's fine. And then, you know, they'll try to teach me some new music too, which is always fun. I can totally relate. So I have a teenage daughter and I was listening to some of uh, my 2002 albums. I'm a huge fan of Lifehouse. And so I was listening to some, she's like, this song sounds old. I'm like, oh, stabbed me right uh, in the heart. <laughs> you know, I'll play songs for the kids, like historical songs as well. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, this is so boring. <laughs> and I remember learning, like someone was like, don't bring anything you love into the classroom because the kids might annihilate it. Like, and I was like, apart. that's a good point. That's a good point. Like they have their own music they love. It's okay. I can have old yeah. people music. That's fine. <laughs> But yes, um, they, I learned the hard way when I was playing like some, some Vietnam war, like protest songs and they were just yeah. like, <laughs> I wonder, are you on TikTok at all? 
I'm not on TikTok, no. And so the kids will also have to teach me about TikToks. <laughs> so, I, so I was just going to make a quick anecdote about that is that I see, so I'm on the, on the side of TikTok that I have a lot of educators that pop up on my video feed. And so they're, they're educators that go in, they play some of their favorite music and the, the students, like you said, they annihilate it. They just yes. shred it to pieces. And they're like, this sounds old. I don't like the singer. The style is so wacky. I don't like this. It's, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> So I know I'm like, okay, um, I don't feel personally hurt or anything. Thank you guys. Okay. All right. But I still do it. I still bring in the music sometimes for them. Yeah. You have to, you have to, uh, Amber, it was an honor to talk to you about the, tr about trio and your educational journey. You have an open invitation. Definitely. If you want to come back on the podcast again. Of course, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So we have a tradition on the Let's Talk Trio podcast where we have the guests sign off. Yeah, you care to do the honors? Yes. Um, so thank you guys all for listening. Thank you, Juan, for having me. Um, I am so lucky to get to speak with you and learn from you. And Trio works. That was our guest, Amber Myron of Myron Education, LLC and Current Educator. Amber, thank you so much for being on the Let's Talk Trio podcast and for sharing your educational journey with us. Remember, if you would like to be on the Let's Talk Trio podcast, or if you know a staff, advocate, participant, or alumni, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. A huge thanks to today's sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, Jaded Electronics, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. I'd like to take a moment to thank our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast, Roderick Chambers, Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Susan Krapp. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, audio engineer, music producer and composer, and post-production editor. Amelia Castañeda, script supervisor, marketing manager, social media manager, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. This podcast was recorded December 18th, 2022. This was our final 2022 interview for Let's Talk Trio. Uh, we will be back interviewing more folks and publishing for 2023. We thank you all so much for your great support. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. <laughs>